Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are here. Glad to be with you, and I'm going to open us with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, another day where we get to be together as your people. Lord, it's so easy to take it for granted. I know in my own heart, I don't always have the right sense of reverence and awe that we get to gather as your people. And so I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for the words of Pastor Steve in our service this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you will climb to our hearts such that we will walk in obedience to you, not in some type of religious ritual or just because, but, Lord, we'll do things out of a pure heart. And I thank you, Lord, for all of our moms, some whose mothers have already passed, others who've still here with us, Lord. I thank you for the special role you've given women through childbirth. And Lord, even as our society denigrates that and discounts it and distorts it, thank you for a day for us as believers to be able to say thank you to the moms you've given us. And Lord, I pray that as we open your word now, that you will go before us, that you will give us ears to hear, and that you will help us to apply the word to our lives. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, with that, I spent a lot of time thinking about what was I going to teach this week because I had my books out and my commentaries out for Second Peter and then as I got my schedule mapped out, I realized this isn't, it's just not going to happen this week. So, I thought that I would teach something and so I was looking through and trying to decide what do I want to teach on, what would be helpful and as I've already alluded to, what's been going through my mind is this leak of a Supreme Court decision on Roe versus Wade. In my lifetime, I can't think of many more contentious issues in America. And I wasn't saved until 1993, and Roe was long before that. And so my views, as you might imagine, as an unbeliever and a believer are different. But even as an unbeliever in law school, I thought the decision didn't make sense constitutionally. But for the longest time, it's been under assault and attack, and it's always survived... And as I've used the expression with some other people, it looks like the dog may finally catch the car, except we don't exactly know what comes next. Part of why I want to pray for us, but this is such a divisive issue. And as I ponder things, a lot bothers me. One, it bothers me that there was a leak of something this significant from the Supreme Court. We live in a divided country Everything is partisan politics, and despite what people say in any given decision, the least political of our three co-equal branches of government is the Supreme Court, and it doesn't bode well if it turns into a partisan leak fest where everybody's dinging the other side before decisions are even final. We've got enough problems in the executive branch and the legislative branch without carrying that over into the judicial branch for the good of our country. But also, as you can already see the rhetoric and the protests, abortion has a life of its own in popular culture such that people have detached it from what it actually is and to this other status. And I don't know of anything that has the potential to more rip apart our country than this. I fear, and I shouldn't fear, but I fear that the divisions in our country over this issue will make the last few years of covid and Black Lives Matter, and Trump, and Hillary, and Biden seem like a time of great unity and peace. Now clearly, as believers, we, 
I say clearly, it should not be negotiable. We stand on the side of life. But still, as citizens of America, we need to be in prayer because things are going to be chaotic. And I fear, like with so many issues, Christians are going to be distracted and sidetracked by the emotions of the moment. I was already dreading the fact that we've got abortion going into the mix as a political issue that will make a bad election season. And I thought, bad election, that's just redundant. Those go together. It's going to be even worse. And our economy is a mess. We may be going to recession. Russia is still attacking and there's always these rumblings and the world seems to be falling apart and that doesn't even account for us looking in the mirror at our own struggles on a daily basis. Yet it's at these moments when things seem so out of control and so crazy and so many issues are making life a chaos that I think finding clarity is not only necessary, it's doable, it's realistic. And I think the fact that we can't control all these things is helpful. I don't think any of us have illusions that we can solve all those problems. Things are going to be a mess. And it's helpful to, for us to realize that God doesn't call us to solve everything. We have opinions. We do our part. But the older I get and the worse life gets, the more comfort I take in God's sovereignty over everything. He's in control. He's on his throne. Whatever he allows, I'm okay. And it brings me back, and though I'm not teaching on First Peter, brings me back over and over of what is my life supposed to be about? Because it's the same thing for you. First Peter 1.14 summarizes it very well. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. In many respects, if we're not careful, all of these other issues, which in and of themselves have a certain importance, can cause us to forget what it is that God actually expects of us, which is to be holy. So I'm going to go back to a message from James. In fact, you can open your Bibles to James chapter 1. And it's interesting because it's actually the first message I ever taught at Lakeside. I'm not reteaching it, I've worked it a little bit, but I taught this text the very first time I ever came to Lakeside during the evening service when I was candidating for a position here. And that's another story because the very first person that talked to me after the service asked if I was teaching heresy. And um, somebody that never attended Lakeside, I'm convinced it was a messenger of Satan just to be there because they never came back. Nobody recognized them, but anyway... And the elder still hired me, so I'm thankful for that. But it really, I think, helps us prioritize what we're to be about. And I'm going to tell you up front, God has blessed you by letting you be here because the ministry of Lakeside will help you with this. And so I'm going to read 
from James chapter 1, verses 21 to 25. And I'm going to just break it down in a two-part outline that just two essential priorities in chaotic times. So follow along as I read from James chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And I think as we go through this and we look at these two essential priorities, it really helps us live lives that are holy as God is holy. So while this may seem anticlimactic or it may seem self-evident, I'm still going to exhort it because I think the word teaches it. The first priority in a chaotic days is this. Prioritize learning the word of God. Prioritize learning the word of God. James says this, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And there's a sense in which we have to stop sinning. So the starting point, even though this is not my first point, is of course stop sinning. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, the imagery that James is using is just of taking off dirty garments. We live in a sweaty, hot climate. You come in from working out in the yard. You don't want to sit around for the next 12 hours in those sweaty, dirty, smelly clothes. You immediately, you want to get cleaned up. That's what he's talking about with our lives. To put those things away. The moral filth that's there and James knows we all stumble. James 3, 2, for we all stumble in many ways. Now, this isn't the time where I want to make you feel guilty about sinning, but take seriously our obligation to stop sinning. I'm always aware that every Christian operates with a certain level of hypocrisy. Why do I say that? Because we don't obey everything we know we should obey. But in our society, we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be examples. And I fear that if we don't take sin more seriously, we don't just regret being hypocrites. We give a testimony of being hypocrites. And we have to be very careful with that. One of the encouragements that I always take from Scripture is that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we've sinned, we have hope because our sins are forgiven, but that doesn't mean we continue in them. We have to try and fight sin. Really, in summary, that's really what all this whole section is about. So let me encourage you, as I get a little farther, and this is as much an exhortation as it is an exposition, to prayerfully ask God to help you see your sin as sin. 
And when you identify sin, 1 John 1, 9 contains a great promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the reality is, if we want to prioritize learning the word of God, which I'm saying we should, we actually have to deal with sin because if you have one foot in the world of sin and one foot in the scripture, scripture is always going to look different. But James says, in humility, receive the word implanted. He's using agricultural imagery now. He goes from image to image to image throughout his book. But the idea here is that we, first of all, we're not know-it-alls. It's one of the dangers of a church like this. We all know a lot of the Bible. But we're supposed to approach the word of God in humility, not with arrogance that we know everything, but in humility saying, Lord, teach me more, teach me more, teach me more. And it's this word implanted, which if we think about it from a theological standpoint, as unbelievers, the word of God just bounces off of us. But once we've been given a new heart, our hearts of stones have been replaced with hearts of flesh, then God, as he presents the word to us through his spirit, applies it to our heart. And it can be there. And the idea here is not that we're just passive tape recorders, but we're to go after the word. We're supposed to seek it. We're supposed to study it. I think one of the challenges on Sunday mornings in America in terms of study is that quite often somebody like Pastor Steve is so good that we can just lapse into just listening and being entertained rather than really processing and thinking through. But let me encourage you, when Pastor Steve teaches a message like this today, don't be done with it. Go home. Look at the passage some more. Study through the text. Pray, how can this apply to me? I say it over and over again, but Pastor Steve is one of the most gifted Bible teachers I've ever heard. I've heard a lot of people. You get to hear him every week. Take advantage of it. Dig deeper. This idea of receive the word implanted was actually used of a different group. It's a similar word in Acts chapter 17, a group of people we're familiar with. It says, now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessaloniki. He's talking about the Bereans. For they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's what he's talking about. It's being aggressive, being motivated, being excited. And I think one of the things that Satan trips us up with is, you know enough. You know enough. I hear it. Well, we've got plenty of teaching we need. No, you need more teaching. Because Satan is a liar and the father of lies and he's a deceiver and false teachers are multiplying in America and around the world and people have access to more good teaching and more bad teaching at the same time through the internet. We need to be grounded. Now, James says that the word's able to save our souls and here he's talking, I believe, to believers. So he's not talking about that initial moment of salvation, although we know from Scripture faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. He's talking about that sustaining power that is able to help us navigate life. 
It saves us from being enslaved to our sin. It saves us, of course, from God's judgment, but it also allows us to navigate the trials of life with hope and with confidence. And yet at every point, and I don't mean this for you and not for me, I mean it for all of us, we need to know more about God's Word. For years I've been drawn to Paul's prayer for the Colossian church. I've actually taught messages on it. Colossians 1.9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, meaning their faith, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We need that more than ever. And where do you find the knowledge of His will? It's from the Word. It's from the Scriptures. So let me encourage you, as even I'm encouraging myself, I'm not going to quantify this because you'll ask me and then I'll, if I fail, I'll be embarrassed. But let me encourage you. Spend as much time studying Scripture as you do studying the winds of the political climate that we're in. I say that to myself because it's so easy for me to start tracking down arguments and I get so frustrated and I spend time reading articles of this commentator and that commentator and that commentator and none of it helps me be holy like God is holy. So prioritize learning the Word of God. And the second part is very basic and very simple, but it's really the heart of everything. Prioritize obeying the Word of God. Prioritize obeying the Word of God. James says in verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. If you've been in Faith Builders a long time, I, when I taught through James years ago, when I first got here, I made it clear that's really the theme of the entire book. That's why it's written. And I really believe that more than anything else, what will impact America is if God's people do the word. Please don't misunderstand. I will always pay attention to what's going on in our culture. We have to be aware. But my highest priority, I believe this with all my heart, is not to be able to analyze for you the ups and downs of a Supreme Court decision, which I could do. It's to be able to say to you, as Paul said, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. More than anything else, America needs us to be doers of the word and living that out on a daily basis with our family, with our friends, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. James has just said, receive the word implanted. In other words, actively be learning the word of God, but he understands the danger which is that that's all you do. To learn more and more and think that's enough. I read some others that talk about this. The idea here is there were some in those days that would go and listen to lectures. It's not identical, but if you remember in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul went to the Areopagus because people would just stand around and listen to other people telling new things. 
And there were some people that were professional hearers. They would just show up to listen. We have people like that today. They'll go to hear anybody speak. I used to work on a college campus, and there were always people talking about all kinds of different things, and there were some people that just went because they liked to listen. That's what a mere hearer is. It's somebody that enjoys listening to Steve because he's articulate, he's got good illustrations. Fascinating to hear something about a Jewish guy who is a Christian. But that's not the point of it. The point is to actually listen and then do what the Word of God says. We can't measure our spiritual growth. We can't measure our impact on the world around us by how many sermons we've listened to or the number of Bible studies that we attend or the podcast or the books. It comes back to this. If we don't actually live out what we're studying and reading... James says we have deluded ourselves. We're self-deceived. The idea and the terminology is somebody who thinks through an issue in their own mind and then comes to the wrong conclusion. I mean, we live in a society where you'll hear people say, and they don't literally mean it because they don't really believe in preaching, but they'll say, do you practice what you preach? Do you walk the walk? And there's a countless other expressions. I won't read it, but Jesus talked about those who are going to say one day, Lord, Lord. And they're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says in Matthew 7, 21, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to the wise man. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Luke chapter 6, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? In fact, the Great Commission, besides go into all the worlds and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is teaching them to observe all that I commanded. My limited experience as a believer in America tells me more of America falls into that category, so it seems, based on how we're living. Much of American Christianity is more American than it is Christian, and it's not founded on the Word of God, and it's not populated by people who are trying with all their heart to do the Word of God. And he goes into a long analogy after this of, of what it looks like when somebody like us is exposed to the Word of God over and over and over again, but we don't do it. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word, verse 23, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. And this is really a fairly simple analogy while mirrors didn't work exactly in their day, they were normally just polished metal. But it's the same principle. When you get up in the morning, at some point during your day, I'm, I'd almost bet money, I wouldn't, but I'd almost, <laughs> that you all looked in a mirror at some point today. Certainly while I'm shaving, I look in a mirror. And you could imagine me looking in a mirror, and then I nick myself, and so I start bleeding and my hair is not brushed, and I just decide not to brush it. 
So I see all these things, but I walk away from the mirror and I forget about them. And I'd be a sight. Blood on my face, tussled hair. I knew that was a problem. I just chose to ignore it. And then as soon as I walked away, I went about my business and forgot about it. I was drinking my coffee and I was driving and I didn't even care. He's saying that's the type of thing that happens when you're confronted with the Word of God and you just ignore it. It points out to you the problems. Talked earlier about the sin and the, all that remains of wickedness. In other words, those residual parts of our flesh that are evident to us when we read the Word of God and we realize, I've got to quit gossiping. I've got to guard my mind. I've got to not worry. I've got to do all these things. And we see the Word of God, we've got to do them. And I heard Steve, and I've got to think it. And I heard Joe, and I've got to do it. And then by the time we're in the car, we're thinking about lunch. By 2 o'clock, we're taking a nap. And by four o'clock, you wake up and what's in? We all do it. We just go back to life. Thank goodness the word wasn't there because now I can get about. And he's saying if we're that way, that's what just somebody who is a hearer is. Every time we see something from the word of God that God shows us through his spirit points out to us, we need to attack it. We need to work on it. We need to deal with it. In a chaotic world, we all want peace. We all want the blessings of the Lord, and in one sense, we've already received them. But there's a promise in verse 25 that is powerful. And as you see what's going on in the world, and it distracts us, and it gets us sidetracked, this promise, I pray, will encourage you. He says, but one who looks intently at the perfect law. In other words, not that person who just looks in the mirror, sees all the problems and just walks away. One who looks intently at the perfect law, that is the word of God, the scriptures, the law of liberty, and abides by it. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, that man will be blessed in what he does. That's what our church needs is effectual doers. That's what our country needs is believers who are living out their faith on a daily basis. We don't need more professional hearers. Each one of us needs to look carefully at the scriptures, digging deep in study. And I praise the Lord for all the opportunities we have in Bible studies and insight for women, and other things like that. However much you're studying, study more. But don't just accumulate knowledge. Apply the knowledge to your daily life. I would say this, and I don't think it would be contradicted by anybody's experience, and it's a paradox. We live in an unsettling world. That's not, there's no question about that. But the more you study the word of God, the more you become aware of your own struggles to be holy like God is holy. I don't mean in some self-absorbed way. I just mean that the more mature you get and the more you study the scripture, the clearer you see yourself with all your imperfections and all your struggles. 
And yet at the same time, it magnifies how much grace God has shown by saving people like us. And it's encouraging because, oddly enough, every year I live, I see myself as a bigger and bigger sinner, and yet I have more and more hope because I see how boundless God's mercy and grace is to a sinner like me. And so let me encourage you today, just take stock. If you look back on the last few months of your life and you say in the honesty of a moment, Lord, I've just been listening, I've not been doing, just confess it to the Lord. He's not waiting to throw darts at you or to throw rocks at you. That's Satan's lie saying God's going to be angry with you. Jesus already died for that sin. Just come to the Lord and ask for help. And the more you look at the Word of God and the more you obey the Word of God, the more blessings from the Lord you will have and the less the troubles of this world will bother you. So let me encourage you today. Take advantage of the opportunities the Lord has given you here at Lakeside and prioritize the very basics. Learn more of the Word of God and obey more of the Word of God. And I assure you, the Lord will reward you richly for your efforts. Please join me as I close our time in prayer. Lord, forgive us. Every one of us here, Lord, is guilty at times, perhaps even today, of being a hearer of the Word, merely a hearer meaning we've been confronted with truth and our first reaction is not always, Lord, help me change, but sometimes we just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. Forgive us. Lord, it affects each one of us. But I pray, Lord, that you would use your word to prod us into action. Lord, we don't want to continue to be forgetful hearers. We want to be effectual doers. So I pray that you would encourage us. Lord, help us be like the Bereans who open up the Word of God and examine it to see if these things are so. When we hear a teaching or we hear a message, not that we're skeptics or cynical, Lord, but that we dig deep to find out what more truths there are in your Word that we can apply to our lives. And Lord, I pray for America. I think everyone... In this room, we have a deep love for our country. We're very grateful that we get to be here, Lord. Particularly anybody that's traveled much, you realize how special this place is that you've allowed us to inhabit. And our country is in turmoil. And we're divided and full of strife. And in the midst of it, Lord, it's easy for us to lose sight of what it is that you've called us to do. Lord, we want to be good citizens. We want to be responsible. We want to be informed. But Lord, beyond that, we want to be obedient. So I pray that what people will remember from their interactions with us are not just our love for America, but our love for you as reflected in obedience to your word. As you said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Lord, help that be the cry and purpose of our hearts. 
And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.